This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Albertans go to the polls in late May, but the campaign is already in full swing. Danielle Smith's UCP and Rachel Notley's NDP are jockeying for position in what polls are showing is going to be an extremely tight race for control of the legislature. I'm Dave Breckenridge, and this is 10-3. Edmonton Journal legislature reporters Matthew Black and Lisa Johnson join me to break down key issues of the campaign, which ridings could be close, and why the battle will largely be fought over Calgary. Don't forget you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Amazon Music. I'd love it if you could leave us a rating, a review, and tell your friends about the show. So Lisa and Matthew, as expected, on Monday, the election period in Alberta will start. Albertans will go to the polls May 29th. That's the anticipated election date. I guess we'll wait for details to be released on Monday. Uh, there's been a lot going on in the lead up to this campaign. There's been promises, promises made by both party, party leaders. Um, and one of the biggest promises or one of the biggest announcements came just a couple of days ago in Calgary, we had Daniel Smith and we had Calgary Mayor Gioti Gondek. We had Calgary Flames Brass announcing a new arena deal. And for people who may not be familiar, this has been kind of controversial for a couple of years. The city of Calgary and the Flames almost reached a, a deal, but it fell through and they had to go back to the drawing board. And there was a lot of question over whether the province would get involved or whether the province should get involved. And so this announcement came out. It's, a, I believe, more than a billion dollars on this arena and event center. And there's a pretty hefty provincial piece of it. You know, Lisa, I'm hoping you can kind of spell out what the provincial involvement is with this and what Danielle Smith hopes to get out of it as premier and as UCP leader. Sure. So it's a huge project. It's altogether $1.2 billion. Uh, most of that money is taxpayer money. Uh, more than $800 million of that is coming from the city of Calgary and the province put together with the Calgary Flames putting the rest of the bill, um, which comes down to a receipt of about $330 million for the province, for, for Alberta taxpayers. And how Premier Daniel Smith, or I guess I should say going into the election period, UCP leader Daniel Smith, has framed the provincial funding is that it is for supportive infrastructure in the district's redevelopment, um, the area around where this new NHL arena is going to be. She's She's been very careful to note that it's not about handing out cash to, uh, to an NHL team or to an arena specifically, but it's for the supportive infrastructure. So uh, things like LRT developments, overpasses, demolishing the old saddle dome, there's also up to $30 million as part of that $330 million um, that the province plans to put towards a community rink in the area, right? So that's kind of a breakdown of what the province is putting in and what they're saying that it's for. So, you know, I, I know that this is announced on the eve of an election, but I, I got the sense that the day after Daniel Smith was trying to to downplay its potential role in the election, 
What what do you make of that? And why is the whole announcement controversial on the eve of an election? Well, it's controversial for a few reasons. Most obviously the timing, which you mentioned so close to the uh, passing of the election writs coming up uh, this Monday. Uh, but also Edmonton built its own arena in, uh, in the prior decade without any direct provincial funding, something supported at the time by Wild Rose leader Daniel Smith, who decried corporate welfare for millionaires. Uh, it's also pretty galling for people here in Edmonton and maybe any other city in Alberta to have to pay for an arena they will never use or likely ever even step foot in. Uh, it's contentious in Calgary because taxpayers in that city are now footing more of the bill than they would have been with the previous version of the arena deal. Uh, the big winners appear to be the Flames, who are now set to pay a little bit less. Uh, and there's also questions about, uh, you know, do these arenas deliver on the promises that they uh, purport to do? So uh, something else that I think is being overlooked a bit, too, is that the city is going to own the new arena. Uh, and much like a new car, it's kind of a depreciating asset that's going to require maintenance and expense over the years to come. It also means they don't really get property tax revenue from it. So that's something the city will now have to budget for in the years to come. And it's a bit of a mixed message from the government who are claiming this is going to revitalize the area around this prospective new arena, but at the same time point to Edmonton's downtown, home of Rogers Place, as an area that's unsafe and needs a small army of sheriffs to now maintain law and order. So it can't be both. Uh, it can't both revitalize the area and prompt widespread lawlessness. And there are questions here in Edmonton to what extent our downtown arena has actually succeeded in revitalizing that area. Now, I mean, looking at the election as a whole and this announcement kind of plays into this debate and this discussion around why this election is is considered battleground Calgary and, and why the race is, is all about Calgary. And I guess, Lisa, you know, looking at it as the province as a whole, why is Calgary considered more of maybe not an important region, but where a lot of the fight is going to happen? Yeah. So, I mean, according to the pollsters um, and pundits, you know, we're looking at a riding map that is mostly orange in the city of Edmonton. We've got some donut ridings around Edmonton that are probably up for grabs um, that are currently held by the UCP, but we could see some shifts there. If you look at the rural ridings, it is, it's just a sea of blue for the most part. There are pockets of, of the smaller cities where we have NDP MLAs, but what it really comes down to is the, the seats that are up for grabs in Calgary. In, in order to win the election, in order to take government from the UCP, uh, you, you look at the calculus and the NDP needs to flip a lot of seats in Calgary. And given that they don't have a whole lot of hope in a lot of rural ridings, I mean, you can kind of look at the fact that they have four riding nominations left to to nominate their candidates before, before the writ is issued. And those are in ridings that are considered safe UCP seats, right? So there's, there's just so many safe UCP seats in these rural ridings um, that Calgary is the best opportunity for the NDP to flip seats. Mm -hmm. and, and Matthew, I mean, does the fact that it's all battleground Calgary mean that, that other regions are, are more set in stone? Could there be competitive races in Edmonton? Could there be ridings in rural Alberta that that may flip are you or is it does it come down to maybe some of the smaller cities and not necessarily the the really 
rural agricultural areas. Yeah, definitely less so in the rural ridings, but definitely in Edmonton and some of the mid-sized cities you, you mentioned there as well. Uh, you know, if you look at Edmonton at the 10 closest races from the 2019 election, six of them were in Edmonton or a suburb of the of Edmonton. Uh, ridings in West Edmonton, uh, West Henday and Southwest were among the closest in the province. And uh, Southwest was home to the only Edmonton-based UCP MLA from that race. That's Casey Madu, uh, who might be in another tough, tough fight again uh, in a few weeks' time. Sherwood Park, just east of Edmonton, uh, was another close one with just a 5% margin of victory for the UCP. Uh, the government uh, and the UCP as a party, as well as the New Democrats, have had multiple announcements out of there in recent weeks, so we know it's an area they're c- concerned about. Uh, and St. Albert, northwest of the city, was another perhaps uh, surprisingly close race last time out. It's a city that elects some pretty staunch conservatives federally, uh, but returned to NDP MLA in 2019, but with just 6%. Uh, margin of victory there. But also a city like Lethbridge uh, can produce some results for the NDP. Uh, Shannon Phillips won the race in Lethbridge West uh, with just under 1%, 226 votes. Uh, She's pretty high profile, so that will definitely be a seat uh, the NDP want to hold on to. And for rural ridings, maybe the most obvious potential for upset comes in Banff, Kananaskas, uh, a mountain riding in the southwest part of the province where polls indicate the NDP might be able to pull that one into the win column. Uh, So not a totally hopeless cause for the new Democrats in those areas, but those alone wouldn't be enough for them to take power, to be clear. The party would need to win those and make some major inroads in Calgary as well to make that happen. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it... A real POS. You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Now, for the past several weeks, we've seen a lot of uh, announcements, uh, come out in terms of policy and you know we mentioned one of the issues off the top when we were discussing arena concerns and crime and and social disorder being kind of a key issue at least for the government heading into the election Uh, lisa what do you suppose the big issues are going to be this campaign yeah i mean we can kind of look at some of the things that the ucp has been focused on while they've been in government what they focused on with february's budget and and some of the promises that are rolling out Right now, and the top ones are fixing the battered and bruised healthcare system, of course, and the high cost of living. Those are the top issues that pollsters have been reporting that Albertans care most about, um, as well. And these are the the top issues that that the UCP has has really been banging the drum on. You look, for example, what was the last um, major announcement that that Daniel Smith did in Sherwood Park, as Matthew mentioned, where there, there's been a lot of attention. It was her making a public health guarantee, similar to a promise that uh, former Premier Jason Kenney actually made. Shortly after Smith made that promise, uh, the NDP was back in Sherwood Park making their own announcement, interestingly, at the exact same venue, touting their family health team's pitch for the election. So uh, a lot of back and forth on different health issues. Um, And of course, with, with February's budget, we saw a big focus on kind of trying to address affordability issues from from the UCP government, from affordability checks to, you know, rebates on utilities. 
stuff like that. So, I mean, you can look back to the 2019 election and Jason Kenney's winning slogan was jobs, economy, pipelines. Some of those, you know, the economy, the oil and gas industry are still important uh, according to the polls, but Albertans' concerns have, have seemed to have really shifted uh, for this election. And Matthew, are, are there issues there that, that may benefit the NDP over the UCP or may benefit the, the UCP at the expense of the NDP? Are there, or, or are we looking at an election where there's a lot of votes up for grabs and, and each party has an opportunity to make a solid pitch in these areas? Well, just another issue I would add, add to the list Lisa gave was, is leadership. Uh, Daniel Smith's agenda has been sidelined in recent weeks uh, because of her own prior remarks or actions uh, that often don't reflect well on her judgment. Uh, so the NDP would like to seize on that and offer up Rachel Notley as a more uh, mature alternative. Uh, so that might be an issue that plays better to the NDP strengths. As for the UCP, uh, I think that they're certainly making a big push on public safety, and and that can be one that's effective for them. It's uh, it can be in your face. It can be something people experience day to day. It's been one of their focuses right from the budget. They've added sheriffs to downtown Edmonton and Calgary, uh, as well as 240 across the province. They've added responsibilities to those sheriffs as well uh, around things like catching fugitives, dealing with rural crime. Uh, at the same time, though, they've been in charge for the last four years. So some of the conditions we're seeing on the streets might be partly their responsibility through prior policies, but they're really hitting hard on this public safety issue and they're they're putting the money and staff behind it to, to show that. Yeah. And, you know, as as mentioned, we're not in the writ period yet. We're anticipating that on Monday, but we've seen for weeks both main parties been making announcements. In the case of the NDP, some of these announcements go back to the last calendar year. Lisa, do we expect to see a ton of additional policy planks laid out in the coming weeks, or will it more be trying to sell what they've already announced and then just trying to to whack at each other on each party's record in government? Yeah, I mean, we've seen a lot of promises, but we don't have full official platforms yet. Uh, the NDP has built up uh, almost a couple dozen, I think, policy papers. And like you said, they've been building these up for a long time. And the UCP has, has been making promises of its own. I mean, just yesterday, they were promising no new personal income tax increases, something NDP leader Rachel Notley later said she is also behind. So I think we're going to see a kind of a cascade of promises. But um, I'm certainly looking forward to, as an extreme nerd, digging into a thick, thick policy platform from from both parties. <laughs> and in in addition to the policy, we all know, at least in Alberta, that we see campaigns kind of get derailed day to day by strange happenings on the campaign trail or candidates who have maybe put their foot in their mouth. And and this is especially true in Alberta. I can cast my mind back to the 2012 race. Uh, and the lake of fire comments made by a then Wild Rose candidate. So far, we've seen a handful of UCP candidates drop out or get replaced. Matthew, what's happened with with a couple of these individuals? <laughs> well, well, it's a mixed bag. And probably the one you're most referring to is Tori Tanner, uh, who resigned, a UCP candidate, resigned after a video she made came to light, came to light with this wild conspiracy theory that she claimed teachers have shown uh, pornography to students and helped change their gender identity without telling their parents. 
it goes without saying that's wholly untrue. And it, it's a, a conspiracy from the deepest, darkest corners of the Internet. So she resigned uh, and, and, and was later replaced. Another UCP candidate we reported on last week up in Fort McMurray, he was forced out by the party after it was, re- it was revealed he was being sued by a member of the local party board for $300,000 over a defamation case, uh, comments he allegedly made about this other individual's business. And one more, there's an Edmonton-based candidate, Tunde Obasan. Uh, he said he was stepping away for personal reasons. We don't know much about that. And I should point out, too, it's not just the UCP. Way back in November, the NDP also turfed one of its Calgary candidates over comments she made about the Calgary Stampede and its board. Uh, dealing with that in November is obviously obviously much more preferable than in the days before the writs are passed. Uh, not ideal to have to replace candidates at the last minute, but the UCP are, uh, the party is back up to a full slate of candidates. Uh, the NDP still have a handful to go, but they expect uh, to have those sorted out ahead of Monday. And looking beyond the two main parties that we've talked about, you know, I look at Alberta politics and and they like long periods of one party government out this way. For people who may not be familiar, we had decades of social credit, decades of progressive conservative, and then the NDP won in 2015, and then the UCP won in 2019. And and we could have an, you know, a competitive race that sees the UCP, the NDP return to government. Polls are, are very close right now. But I wanted to to talk briefly about other parties in Alberta. You know, in, in the past, we've had a pretty robust back and forth between opposition parties. We've had a strong liberal party in Alberta in the past. There was the potential of a, of a, a fifth party really kind of getting a lot of attention in the Alberta party, but that party fizzled out after the 2019 election. Is there a chance that any of these smaller parties win any seats or is this, this feels like the first election that that's truly a two-party race. Yeah, that's an interesting question, Dave, because like you said, the UCP and the NDP are essentially neck and neck in most polls. And But one really recent poll uh, shows that the Green Party is in third place behind them with 5% of the vote among decided voters. So for me, the question is, can any of these third parties play spoiler in any particular riding? according to the polls as well, I don't see uh, a whole lot of faith in them taking any seats, especially when you consider a lot of these third parties. I mean, they're, they don't, they're not running full slates. The Alberta party has already said it won't be running a complete slate of 87 candidates. Um, as of today, I believe they have 16 nominated candidates. The Alberta liberals have 11 candidates and, and the green party um, is faring quite well. They have 31 nominated candidates, but we've kind of already seen a bit of a preview, and I don't want to presuppose um, how the election's going to go, but we've seen a bit of a preview of how things play out when Danielle Smith ran in a by-election in Brooks Medicine Hat, right? Uh, the Alberta Party leader, Barry Morishita, uh, is also well-known in the area, came in third place behind Smith and the NDP, Gwendolyn Dirk. So, um, you know, despite being a well-known local politician, it seems like, based on that by-election, this is, like you say, going to be a two-party race. Mm-hmm. And before we wrap up here, are there any issues that either of you are keeping an eye out for, or curious to see how it's going to play out over the next few weeks, Matthew? 
Well, obviously, we have another public safety announcement from the government today. So I think that's going to be something that uh, the UCP will continue to hammer home. And we'll, I, th- I expect we'll find some more details out about the uh, Calgary Arena deal, which uh, just seems to be a fascinating uh, political play and uh, possibility for the city of Calgary. And Lisa, last word to you on this. Anything else you'll be trying to keep an eye out for during the campaign? Yeah, I mean, on the the topic of leadership that Matthew brought up, um, we've obviously seen the premier's office, and and now this will be this will become a party uh, party planning issue as as the government goes into caretaker mode starting Monday. But we've seen them uh, pulling back, limiting, I guess, some of the access reporters have to Daniel Smith. As this is happening, of course, there are still a lot of unanswered questions about whether or not the party is going to follow through with its threat to sue the CBC for defamation um, over reports that the CBC has published about Daniel Smith's alleged contact with Crown prosecutors. Um, So there's a few different leadership issues that I think we'll probably see crop up maybe even tomorrow, maybe next week, maybe throughout the campaign, depending on how tightly Danielle Smith manages her messaging. All right. Well, I know it's going to be an exciting four weeks on the campaign trail. We'll be looking forward to that getting going early next week. Lisa, Matthew, thanks for your time. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Dave. 10-3 is produced by Tyler Dawson. Theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guests, Matthew Black and Lisa Johnson. You can find more stories from them and all our election coverage at edmontonjournal.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.